as they come out of the womb, it's, it's symbolic of their whole lives. Jacob's got a hold of Esau's ankle, right? Holding on to him right there from the very beginning of this story. And some scholars talk about when they wrote this story down, when they wrote these accounts down of the early families of our faith, the archetypes, the patriarchs and matriarchs, they were actually talking also, they wrote it in a way so that people of Israel and the people of Edom, these two nations, for whom this was their relationship, they were brothers and they were wrestlers their whole life through. And so it's part of the time when you read Jacob and you hear Israel later, you hear Esau, you need to hear also the country of Edom take it more closely to today now, you might also want to hear Jewish and Muslim. It's where the roots, where the roots are in these patriarchal Abrahamic stories of our faith. Right here, this wrestling starting right out of the womb. And the scripture story tells it in a way so that we're not just thinking about two brothers, we're thinking about two countries, and we're thinking about two faiths. You know, so the story is multi-layered in what we're supposed to experience in it. But so we go back to the twins being born, you know, and they're wrestling right out of the womb. Then this wonderful story of what it means to be blessed happens. But there's a falsehood in it. The falsehood is simply that there's not enough blessings to go around. In the story of these two twins, Esau and Jacob. The myth is that only one of them gets the father's blessing. Only one of them can be truly blessed, which means the other one can't be blessed. Have you ever lived life that way? There's not enough blessings to go around? If that person's blessed, that means I'm losing out on something? You know, sometimes our world behaves like that's the truth. But God says you don't just get your one little piece of the sky. God says you get the whole sky. You know, there's enough blessings to go around. But as these countries fought and warred with each other and struggled, and as these family members fought, they struggled as if there wasn't enough blessings to go around. That one had to win and one had to lose. So that's what we hear in these stories today. This is the history of when we come to this moment in time. Because when it comes to time for the blessing, the younger son who had hold of the ankle at the beginning deceives his father with a little help from his mother. Don't you love those families where one is preferred by one and the other is preferred? It's kind of a setup for a struggle instead of saying everyone's blessed and everyone's loved. And so the one who had hold of the ankle coming out of the womb puts on hair because his brother is known as being hairy and his father can't see too well. So Jacob puts on sleeves of hair. So when he goes into his father, his father thinks it's the oldest. And because there can only be one blessing because they believe in the scarcity stuff, blesses Jacob because Jacob's pulled on essentially his brother's skin in order to get that blessing. And then Esau, Esau comes in bereft. You know, isn't there any blessing for me? Is there a blessing that can be had for me too? You know, and the story continues as these two brothers, these two countries, and ultimately these two faiths continue to wrestle, wrestle with what it means to be equally blessed. And Jacob, ever the, the trickster, 
decides, I better get out of town. Esau is bigger than me, and it's not too safe right now. So the first dream we get in our Dreamer series is the dream of Jacob running away. Jacob's going to be with his country person, Laban, and to look for some wives over there. And so as Jacob's leaving, he's beside the river again, and he goes to sleep with his head on a rock. But it's one of those toss-and-turn-in sleeps. It's one of those sleeps where you can't really settle in. Your head doesn't have to be on the rock for that to happen, but it's one of those toss-and-turn-in sleeps. And in that place, he has this beautiful dream of this ladder. And the ladder, it says that things are going to be okay for you, Jacob, even in this new place. And you are actually going to receive this blessing. It's still going to happen, even though you're afraid and even though you're running away. And even though you don't see how it's going to happen, because you've just left your whole family behind. It's still going to happen. So this is the first dream there, that Jacob is a dream of assurance. And now he's been gone for a while. And Jacob uses his cleverness... And as the story says, God's help, <laughs> to accumulate a fortune, he gets both wives, Rachel and Leah, he has all these kids, he has all these flocks, and now he's coming home. So the second youngest child, who was the weakest, has gone away and made good of himself. And now he's turning around and he's coming back to the family. And here's where we get today's story. He's coming back to the family. And as he comes back to the family, he says, you know, Esau might still be mad and angry at me. We never really have talked all this time. So the last thing he knows is I stole his birthright, his blessing, and left town. And so here I am headed back. And Jacob's struggling with what does all that mean? And what does it mean to him in that moment? So he is clever, as he always has been, and so he sends forward his flocks. He divides them into two camps. So if half get killed, the other half can run away. He sends forward gifts and offerings to Esau. He even sends his family and his wives across the river so that all of them will be there and Esau will encounter all of this before Esau gets to Jacob. You know, that there might be some softening of the judgment by the time he gets to him. Sometimes coming home is kind of hard. And sometimes, no matter how successful we are, how much we've accomplished, what fortune we've amassed, how many kids we have or flocks we have, when we head home, we're still that little kid. We're still that little one who hasn't quite figured it out. We're still not sure that blessing really was meant for me. You know, we might still be wearing the skin of somebody else as we head on back. So here it is, he's alone and he's at the river. I think Jacob must have had a busy life because the only times these two big moments in his life are recorded is when he's by himself. I think he was too busy the rest of the time to discern, listen, or wrestle with God because he kept his schedule full, getting that fortune or getting that blessing. So the two accounts we have of it is him leaving and him returning. So he, in the middle of the night, by himself, all of a sudden, there's no one else to distract him, tries to understand what it's about. And it's the way the story is told. He's not really sleeping as he has this experience. 
So is it a dream or a vision? Scholars argue back and forth. Is it his imagination? Is he struggling with his own conscience? People have gone back and forth with this all the time. They don't ever really name it. Some say it's a man. Some say it's an angel. Some say it's a being. Some say it's God that Jacob is wrestling with. So whatever you want it to be and whoever you want it to be, you're right, <laughs> according to the scripture. You know, in your life, whatever it is you're wrestling about, you get to put the name in, and you're right. That is who Jacob is wrestling with today. And it's a struggle all night long. And it's not a clean struggle. When I talked about mud wrestling, it's by the riverbank. You know, can you see him just right there trying to sleep, maybe find some soft bed of sand? And then the struggle starts all up and down. I can imagine they got right muddy and sweaty and slimy and slippery as this continued throughout the evening. And Jacob was exhausted, but Jacob knew Jacob couldn't let go. Struggling and wrestling. I imagine the mud was just granular enough that it scraped off that skin he was wearing that wasn't his. And at the time of the end of it, when the being says, what is your name? Jacob has to tell the truth. My name is Jacob, and the name means, in Hebrew, trickster, deceiver, usurper, cheat. What is your name? Jacob, cheat. You know, what is your name? And Jacob answers the truth. It's important to know that in this scripture, sometimes people say Jacob won because the word is prevail in the scripture, but the actual meaning of the word is Jacob endured, hung on, didn't let go. And in the midst of it was changed. I want you to hear one devotional artist's interpretation of this, and Tony's going to come forward and read it for us. Because I journeyed too close to the event horizon, because I dreamed deeper than rim and hallucination, because I half nestled the mystery into self-revelation, because I knew silent stillness is not the only holy way. I limp with a hip socket struck by marvelous pain. I limp with an eagle wounded and a wound a blessing. I limp a survivor from a close encounter with the other. I limp slower and wiser, purple hearted from the battle. I could have walked briskly away from the one hiding among us I could have danced on for smooth sliding stroll. I could have run tremulous from the infinite unknowable. I could have fiend my gait as if I were free of divine wrestling. Do you walk hiding all your out of joint questions and doubts? Do you slip away from the ring when the bell sounds three, 
Do you hide from the God who would rather have a wrangle than let you walk on without knowing you are known? Do you hide from a God who would rather have a wrangle than let you walk on without knowing you are known? What kind of wrestling are you doing when the wrestler turns to you and says, what is your name? What names do you say? Scoundrel, cheat, unworthy, irresponsible, discouraged or burnt out, divorced, widowed, disappointed, disappointing, abused, abuser. Jacob answers the truth. I am Jacob. What name do we say we are? That church. The gay church. The AIDS church. The flooded church. What name do we say that we are? Does the skin come off of trying to be the perfect little boy and little girl in someone else's image of what church is supposed to be? Maybe we say we're the rejecting rejection church, the resilient church, the justice church, home. We're the got love church, the church that hangs in there holding on till there is a blessing, the church that endures, the rainbow church. We are resurrection church. God does not bless you and God does not bless us in our perfection. And whatever skin we've tried to put on or whatever we've tried to accumulate, God blesses us in our persistence. Yes. To continue wrestling, to get muddy with God, to wrangle right there in the midst of it till we come through to a new place, a new understanding, a new joy, a new love. Yesterday we had our second congregational forum and people put in the gathering space over here a wall of history and I invite you to come in and read some of the characters on the lines that are there and see what it means to you. We are a church that has its own story and many stories that combine together to make us who we are today. And now I'd like you to just hear a couple of the stories that people shared about coming to resurrection and what it meant to them. MCC allowed me to take an honest look at myself and my faith in a non-judgmental environment. It allowed me to ask stripped down probing questions and gave me tools to face challenges and victories in my spiritual growth. It also gave me the privilege to worship authentically without condemning others for their belief. It continues to allow me to question and to seek truth for myself. My spirituality and sexuality were disconnected for 16 years, causing a constant emotional tug of war. When I came to resurrection, I found home, a place where I am loved just as I am, and a knowing that I am whole and holy. This is also a place where sexuality and spirituality is recognized as parts of the whole person. Here, I rediscovered that I am a beloved child of God. 
First, I came with my son two years before he died. I loved it here from the beginning. After he died, I felt I had a special mission here to share myself with others whose parents had pushed them away, to love them just as my son would have. Even though I am straight, my friends are all here. I initially came to RMCC after a long hiatus from a church and the dissolution of a 13-year relationship. RMCC was at first a place for me to grieve and give God a place in that grieving. Over time, something more started to happen. Years of hurt from traditional churches started to be uncovered and get healed. I never thought I would even use the word God again with any level of comfort. But the God in me was indeed resurrected at resurrection. We each have our own story of coming here. We each have our own story of wrestling with God. And together we combine them into this story of a community that continues to listen and discern and dream about where God calls us to be. We're doing that through this series and through the summer, and we'll come up with another strategic plan about where God calls us to be. And let's be clear, it might feel like dreams are pretty and cloudy and in the air, and we go from that piece of sky to the whole sky. And that indeed is our objective. But remember that to get there, God asks us, what is your name? What is your name? And we have to go through this wrestling process. This is who I am. This is who we are. I'm ready to wrangle with you if you'll get a little bit muddy. You know, I'm ready to wrangle with you right here. Let's do it together because on the other side of that, there's a blessing for you. There's a blessing for you. And please know in the story, there's no shame or blame or disappointment from anything holy about who Jacob is. Did you notice that in the story? And in the rest of the story, Jacob goes back and forth between the two names, Jacob and Israel, Jacob and Israel, and the rest of Scripture. You know? He's never not Jacob. Okay? But he's both Jacob and Israel living into this new dream that God has helped Jacob see. So let's grapple with God. Let's get muddy as we find this vision for us at this time in this place for the people called resurrection. I want to hear, read to you some parts of that poem that Tony read backwards this time. Stay with me with it. Do you hide from the God who would rather have a wrangle than let you walk on without knowing you are known? You could have feigned your gait as if you were free from divine wrestling, and yet you limp, slower and wiser, purple-hearted from the battle, because, because you knew that silent stillness is not the only holy way. Thanks be to God, holds tight and wrestles with us for the blessing. Amen. Amen.